Hey guys, it's Lauren here, your host with The Invitation. And this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about The Invitation of Thankfulness. Because next week is Thanksgiving and it just kind of made sense and that was what was on my heart. So here's the thing. Part of the episode, I am in my car and part of the episode, I am in my bed because the reality of this past week has been, it hasn't been my easiest week in life. Um, And I've gone back and forth in my head of how vulnerable I'm willing to be on this podcast and share it with the internet, which I guess if you're listening to this, I've decided that I'm willing to be vulnerable to this extent. So I guess I just wanted to preface this episode with that. Some of it is kind of upbeat and some of it is the reality of probably what it feels like to sink into a bit of depression. So buckle up and let's get started. Well, hello there. It's Lauren again with the invitation. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about thankfulness. It is November 13th. We have had snow on the ground for a couple days now. And it feels like we had a day and a half of fall. (laughs) Snow's pretty and my family loves snow. We love to play in snow and go skiing and sledding. And the other day when the snow first came it started about seven o'clock in the evening and at 1 a.m my six-year-old came in my bed and asked if we could go sledding i am thankful that my family is so adventurous and they find joy in a, a lot of things in just about everything I struggle to be thankful for cold and (laughs) thankful for the snow. Like I said, it's beautiful and it's fun, but I easily could wallow in misery because of the coldness and the cooped uppedness that happens when the snow hits the ground in the Midwest. So I thought since Thanksgiving is coming up. It's just a couple weeks away. It's good for my heart to kind of focus on how to be thankful when sometimes the situation around us doesn't present itself as something we ought to be thankful for. The season of life that my family and I find ourselves in is not one that we would have hoped for or asked for. We started foster care uh, four and a half years ago and it has been a wild ride. After years and years of waiting and hoping for children in our home We hit the ground running when our first son came, and we've had a total of five kids placed in our home, three who we've adopted and two who we fostered. I 
I know that when we started out the process of foster care, we were told so many times, like, there really isn't a foster to adopt program. A lot of people use that language, that there is, like, this place that you can go and, like, you want to adopt, and so they're going to just give you kids that just need adopting, and it's just not that simple. There, the goal of foster care really is that if at all possible, that the children should be reunified with their family if at all possible. Like that is the goal of foster care. Whether you are looking to adopt through foster care or not, that is always going to be the first goal. And so I think we understood that. I really do. I I think that it was told to us enough times and the Lord had prepared our hearts for that as much as he could have. Um, but this summer, um, the girls that had been with us since they were infants, well, they don't live with us anymore. And it was so hard. Like it was the hardest transition that I have ever been through in my life. And out of just respect for my kids and um, our girls, I am not going to go into a lot of detail about the story. But what I want to talk about is the fact that I'm not in a season that thankfulness comes easily. I'm in a season that thankfulness is really challenging. Um, I'm not living out what I had probably most hoped for. It doesn't mean that it's not good. Um, there is so much goodness that has come with the road that we are walking but it's been hard. It's been really, really hard. So I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to choose to be thankful. One of the first things that comes to mind when I think about choosing to be thankful is (laughs) It's going to sound really funny, but it's like acknowledging the suckiness of it. Like one of the healthiest things I have allowed myself to do in this season is to just acknowledge how much it sucks. It's like I can't choose to be thankful unless I can really accept my reality. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to just be thankful for the sake of being thankful or look at the bright side or maybe there's some great plan that you just don't know about yet. Like there's a lot of catchphrases and mantras that 
feel really empty if you don't acknowledge your reality. And so I think for me, some of that has just been, one, being honest with myself, and two, having people in my life that can handle me talking about the stuff that sucks. Because I can't seem to get my mind to move forward or my heart to move forward if I can't just acknowledge the suck. So here's something I've been learning over the past couple years. It's that God only meets us in our reality. He doesn't meet us in our fake reality. I have... I'm picturing myself right now as I said that. Um, on my summer vacation in Cancun. And <laughs> for some reason it just popped in my head like where God meets me. Not that he didn't meet me in Cancun. But you know where I see him working the most is in the mundane and nitty gritty of our daily life at home. And Cancun was great but. I don't know. I just got this picture of like where he longs to meet us is really in the the reality of our life. And when I think about the people that he met in scripture, like when he met the disciples, they weren't on a vacation in Cabo. I don't actually think that was a thing. Um, wherever they would have gone for a vacation like they were working they were fishing he like told them to put down their nets and come follow him when he met his parents now not that he actually had a lot of control in that although he is God so I guess he did have control but he was a baby so but he met his parents in the reality of a manger in situation that was not ideal and when he met the woman at the well like her reality was she was she was just fetching water in the middle of the day when nobody else was there because she didn't necessarily want to be seen by everybody and I'm sure there are other examples but that's what he does. He meets us in reality, not fake reality. Like, I don't want to put on an act of, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. Like, if I do that, I don't know. I don't know if I'd really recognize him. So here's where it gets a little sad and where I feel really vulnerable. This is on a different day, not the same snowy day that this episode started on. Um, It's a few days later and the weight of a lot of different things just piled up. I'm getting out of the funk I was in now, but I was there for a couple days. So, yeah, that's where this next part is. 
So here's my reality today. There have been a lot of things that have just piled up and a lot of things that suck. So it caught up with me to the point that I spent pretty much all yesterday just wallowing in it. <laughs> just literally curled up in my bed under my blankets and just wallowed in the suck. I wouldn't recommend it. But here's what happened today. I let my friends in on my reality. It was really hard to do. So much of me just wanted to keep it to myself, work through it on my own, and once I get it together, then I could tell them what I figured out and where I was. And that wasn't my invitation, though. I really didn't want to go sit with my friends and talk about how much <laughs> I felt like everything sucked. I didn't want to do it. I even texted them and said, like, okay, I know you guys are getting together, but I'm not coming. <laughs> of course, they do what they do so well, and they ask me questions, good questions, and the question is, well, why? Like, what's the fear that if you show up, what will happen? And it helped me think through, like, what I was worried about. I was worried that I didn't have it together enough to be there and that maybe the ugliness of my reality was too much for them or that I would say stuff that I didn't mean or that I would regret, that I would mess things up more. And because I have really good friends, that's the most ridiculous thing. So I showed up. And in my mind, I was like, well, I, I'll go, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> they spent the whole time helping me regroup. And, man, I'm so thankful for them. So I have a couple thoughts when it comes to how to kind of choose thankfulness in this season. I certainly don't have a magic formula and I don't even necessarily apply these super strategically in my life, but here's what I'm finding to be helpful today and this week and these days leading into Thanksgiving. The first one is, like I said earlier, acknowledging my reality and letting people I know who I love and trust in on that reality. The second thing I think is choosing to be thankful for the provision that I do have and for the goodness that I have seen in my life up until this point. I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament about the Israelites. They were slaves to the Egyptians for quite some time. And there was a man named Moses who 
freed the Israelites from the Egyptians and they took off into the wilderness. And during that time in the wilderness, um, the Lord was really revealing himself in miracles and amazing ways. And one of the ways he was showing himself to be good to them was he provided them thousands and thousands of people out in the desert, in the wilderness. He provided them food every day. He sent from heaven something called manna that would um, come on the ground and they could collect it and make loaves of um, something like bread out of it. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle they got Every single day they were in the wilderness. And at first thought you think like that is just incredible. I mean there were there were other ones like he had they had witnessed him part the sea so that they could cross over this body of water and then when the Egyptians who were chasing them came, the sea was closed up and it swallowed them up and so they weren't taken over by the Egyptians who were chasing them as they fled from Egypt. They had seen all these miracles and they were actively getting a miracle every day, the miracle of manna every day. And there was a time when they were complaining about it. They were just complaining about it, like grumpy about the fact that they had to eat the same thing every day and they wanted meat instead of this manna and they even said something along the lines of maybe it'd be better if we just went back to Egypt and were slaves at least we'd have meat and like when I read that I think gosh they're so annoying (laughs) how could you complain about this miracle that you got every day And then I think about myself and I think, man, I so relate to this feeling of the wilderness, the season of life that we're in that isn't the promised land where I thought maybe we were going. And I look back in the past, like where we were with infertility, like we're not there either. We have three beautiful children and our family is healthy and all those things, but it's not maybe the the promised land or what I thought our family was going to look like for a while. And I find myself complaining, like complaining about how hard it is and yeah, the challenges we face because of whatever trauma or whatever. There's just things that come with adoption. There's things that come with busy boys. There's things that come with um, busy schedule and a busy life. And I find myself complaining. And when I think of it, when I go back to that passage about the miracle that God provided for them every day, I think like he provides miracles for us every day too. I mean, he provides for us every day. He's provided us with the most amazing community. He's provided us with more than a lovely home. And just resources and, you know, his wisdom and 
goodness and favor and I could go on and on and I just realize I don't want to be like those complaining Israelites. So what do I do? How do I not be like those complaining Israelites and be thankful for the manna that he is giving us daily? I think for me, part of that starts with worship, with coming before him and praising him even when it's hard and I don't feel like it. I hate to admit it, but there are times that I get into a space of worship, whether it's at church or it's at my home, that I just, I don't feel like it. I don't feel super happy about the circumstances of my life. I don't feel like what I'm singing maybe lines up with what my heart feels. I remember a couple months ago, I was at a conference with a friend of mine, and we were in the back of the room, and the song lyrics, I don't remember them exactly, but the gist of it was, there's no place I'd rather be. There's nothing I would rather do than just be here in your presence. And as lovely as those lyrics were, I couldn't even sing them because my heart kept telling me, like, that's not true. That's not how you feel right now. That's not how I feel. I I do want something more. I want to know what's going on with the girls right now. I want to know where they are, who they're with. I want my family to look different than what it looks like at home. And the thing is, I still stood there in worship, and even though not all the words could come out, I think my prayer was, help me see that this is this is what I want. I want to want this. It's not what I want now, but I need your reassurance. I need something. I need I need something. And he was so good and so faithful to give me something. The very next morning, my friend gave me this word of encouragement that maybe if I didn't know where they were, that I could rest in the fact that he did. He knew exactly where they were. And and as much as I care about them and love them, that he loves them so much more. And it maybe was something I had heard before but had forgotten. And so it was just the reminder that I needed to be able to enter that song again as we did that next day and realize that that is what I wanted. I did want to be fully with him. I did want to be in his presence and that is what I wanted most. So I think that would kind of be my next thing is just choosing to worship him even when it's hard and maybe we don't want to. I'm reminded of another story in the Old Testament. It's in Daniel. There's these 
three guys with funny names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was this king called Nebuchadnezzar, and he wanted everyone to bow down to his gods who were not the true God. And these three guys, these Jewish men, would not bow down to anyone other than the one true God. And so the consequence for their action was going to be that King Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into a fiery furnace, a blazing furnace of fire. And I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I want to know what (laughs) I hope I would do, what I think I would do, but Basically, they stood their ground and they stood up for what they believed in. And here's what they told him. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So basically, you can throw us in the furnace, and our God is big enough to save us from this. We know he is. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. That, That is the posture that I think... I've been invited into in this season of life. Like, I know that he is big enough and powerful enough to give me what I want. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him. And I'm going to thank him for all that he's done and all that he's going to do in our future. I know he is good because what he's done for us in the past. I know it. I know it because I can think of story after story in my own life of how he has been present in my reality and redeemed things that I didn't think were redeemable. I want to read you a little something from one of my favorite authors, Lisa Turkhurst. I'm reading one of her books now called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And she has been through a lot, and I relate to so much of what she says. Um, I wasn't, this isn't from her book, this is actually from her Facebook page, so while I was killing time and probably killing some brain cells scrolling through Facebook, I came across this. She writes, Though our circumstances may not change today, our outlook surely can We can remember that in the midst of our struggles, God is there. We just have to acknowledge that reality. Here is a simple perspective-shifting prayer we can lift up. Dear God, I love you. I don't love this situation, but I love you. Therefore, I have everything I need to keep putting one foot in front of the other and walking through until I get to the other side of this. Thank you for reminding me that no matter how dark it gets, I always have immediate access to you. And that means I have hope. I guess what I took away from it was that 
we have this reality that we live in. And sometimes it just feels really brutal. But there's also this reality that God is always present. He's always at work. He cares about us so much. And we have immediate access to him anytime we need him. And so I think that is what I'm most thankful for. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I am hopeful that some of this was encouraging and not just depressing. If you stuck with it this long, thank you. And I guess as we started the episode, I talked a little bit about snow. There's no snow on the ground today, but it is so cold. So whether it's as simple as trying to be thankful for cold weather or it's as complicated as being thankful because of something awful that's happened in your life. I do wonder if you have an invitation to be thankful this season for something that doesn't seem to warrant thankfulness. And if you do have an invitation, what are you going to do about it?